You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. My name is Sean Tice. I'm excited to have my guest today, Jay Millar. He's the author of Be a Hero in Your Home. And I just actually, um, I got this book from you recently and I I got it out this morning. I'm like, I need to look at that before our, our talk today. And so I was reading reading some of it, and I'm already intrigued by some of the topics that you've covered in here. But take a little few minutes to tell us about yourself, Jay. Hey, good morning, Sean. Uh, great to have you, or great to be here with you. And uh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and and Jackie over the last uh, two years in the uh, in uh, the Fatherhood Commission. And yeah, I mean, uh, proud to have uh, released a book, uh, Be a Hero in Your Home. Uh, the subtitle is The Ultimate Playbook for Men to Succeed at Home, Work, and Life. And uh, I'll just back up a little bit and, and share where that came from. Uh, I grew up in a home with domestic violence and alcoholism, so mm-hmm. I didn't have a father speaking into my life. And uh, so as a, you know, a teen and a 20-something my mom remarried. She 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 remarried a, a man with a wonderful heart, but he was on his own journey as well and didn't didn't pour into my life. He did show me uh, love and and care and concern and presence, but uh, yeah, I didn't have a dad, so I was just trying to figure out my way through life, and um, it was really frustrating. I mean, I was angry inside. The world didn't know I was angry, but I was angry inside. There was a storm in there, and and uh, you know, each step along the way, I was trying to figure out, you know. How do I build a career? How do I do I go to college or not? I was a first generation college graduate, um, joined the military yeah. to uh, get the GI Bill so I could pay for college because we didn't have any money. Didn't know how to run my finances, didn't know what a relationship looked like, a good relationship, a good marital relationship. And a, and not, not only uh, husband and wife, but, uh, you know, father, son, father, daughter. So um, that's the basis of the book is just trying to help. Uh, a man whose father may not be speaking into their life get off to a to a good start, a quick start. And really, the, the basis of it, if for those of you who might be seeing this, I know it's going to be audio as well. I've got a University of Colorado helmet in the background, and I was at the University of Colorado when um, they were playing Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl a couple of years in the late '80s, early '90s. And uh, Lou Holtz was the arch enemy. He was the uh, he was head coach of Notre Dame. But he said something that changed my life, and that was, uh, I heard him say something. This is before YouTube. This is before you can just go pull up clips. And I haven't seen it since. I really, I looked for it. Um, I walked by the TV and he said, you know, when I talk to recruits, I tell them that there's the three main things that will change them from where they're at today to where they're going to be five years from now is the people they meet, the books they read, and the dreams they dream. And I was 22 at the time. I had finished my military career. I was a sophomore in college. I felt like I was trying to figure out things on my own, and I didn't have a, a good guide. Um, and what that did, Sean, is it put me into action. And I said, okay, well, my dad's not showing up. But if I'm intentional, if I get good nutritional value uh, from reading, you know, from personal development, the Bible is a number one personal development for me. And if I find good mentors who can help guide me, I've got uncles. My 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 older brother was just a godsend to me. He uh, he protected me and guided me really well. He's four years older than me. Um, but if I can find good mentors and read good books and 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 think big, think that my life can be bigger than than my family was traditionally thinking about, I got a chance. So it just put me into action. And um, so I 
condensed all the all the lessons I've learned from mentors and books and uh, put that into a single uh, curated version uh, for a quick start program for men. I love it. I love it. And and we've enjoyed getting to know you as well. Um, you, you, you were such an encouragement. We were at the event in Georgia together uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was just, it was fun to get to know each other. We met you last year, um, but this year I feel like we were able to really develop the, the friendship. And so just thankful for your friendship and um, just thank you for being an encouragement too uh, at the event recently. So that was, that was, uh, we really appreciated that. And I love your, I love your heart for just trying to help dads and help men and how you're just willing to get out there and do this. And, um, and, and I, I love this title because one of the things that we, as we've spoken in over 200 churches on fatherlessness is we get asked, uh, at our table, people tell us, they're like, I, well, we don't get asked. They come and tell us this. They say, I basically grew up fatherless. I had a dad in my home, but I was pretty much fatherless. I didn't have, he wasn't around. And what they're saying is he was mentally, emotionally, or spiritually absent. He might've been physically present, but he was gone. And so your, your book, I'm sure it touches on that. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, I, I do talk about uh, all the different types of fathers. I had an absent father and a, an angry father. I mean, my parents divorced when I was 10. And, and so then he just wasn't present in the home after that point in time. Um, but there's, there's folks who have fathers who have just these extraordinary expectations that a son or a daughter will never be able to meet. So they can never satisfy, you know, they're always, they're, they're always, uh, you know, overbearing and, and overburdening their children and exasperating their children. There's, uh, there's, there's passive fathers, there's fathers that love that, but don't know how to pour into you. There's, um, yeah, there's abusive fathers. There's all types of fathers. And I, I list out all of the eight types in the book mm. and I have a heart toward each of those, you know, mine was absent and, and, and wasn't there and, and, uh, and angry at times. So, um, uh, but we all come from different backgrounds and, and I have a heart to, uh, to help each of those, 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 you know, those situations where the father was a little bit different. Now let's go ahead and unpack your story a little okay. more. So go back to you. So your dad, was he, what was it like before he left? I mean, you said he was absent, but what was what was your home like before that happened? Well, you know, uh, and I think we can relate to this. When I was, you know, I, I was pretty oblivious to everything. I was the youngest of three children. Um, you know, now I have a, a, a sister as well from my mom's second marriage. Uh, so, but formatively, I was the youngest. And again, my brother protected me. I was never physically abused. Uh, my mom and my brother protected me and they took the brunt of all of it. Um, uh, but I thought, you know, things were, I was, I was just a little kid, you know, running around playing, playing with my friends, going to school, love school. And, uh, but then like right, right near the end, you know, the, uh, a lot of fights, a lot of yelling, mm-hmm. a lot of anger, a lot of door slamming. And I, I later learned about a lot of things going on, that, you know, just as a, seven, eight year old, when you, when you go to bed early and you probably miss a lot of the action in the house. Right. Um, um, but you know, there was a time there near the end where it's kind of like walking on eggshells, you know, like, okay, what kind of house am I walking into? And that was the emotional distress. Um, you know, don't rock the boat. I remember having family meetings with my dad to, uh, try to get him to, uh, stop drinking, <laughs> you know, like, Hey dad, come on, let's, uh, uh, let's let let's let's tone it down. And again, I really didn't understand, you know, what the what the level of it was. But um, I just remember us all trying to rally and get things. And I know my mom. My mom was in a tough situation. She had some really really 
tragic stories of uh, of things that uh, my father he was just an anger junk. I think he was a very nice man, but uh, he was ill. My you know, from my, the time I was born to the time he died, he passed twenty six years ago. Um, I think he was just ill. You you know the the uh, the yeah. sub, the addiction and the the substance abuse. He just never was the man that I that, that I hoped uh, I would meet as a father. Now, when he left, did it relieve um, some of the pressure then? It, it's funny. Uh, it did. It did in some ways. But um, I tell a story in the book about his last night uh, at the house. And it was, a, it was a lot of yelling. And one of, my, one of my siblings, I'm embarrassed. I can't even remember which of my, my brother or my older sister who told me like, hey, hey, mom and dad, they're getting divorced. It's near the end. And I, I was like, you know, I, I didn't know. I wasn't tuned in to the uh, to the big picture of what was uh, everything that was going on. So I had a lot of anxiety. So I was on guard. And uh, that last night that uh, he lived with us, he uh, he started attacking my mom. And my mom was locking herself in the bathroom. And, you know, um, and my brother walks home. Uh, he walks in the door. He was a sophomore or freshman in high school. <laughs> he just come home from wrestling practice, you know, and uh, he just intervened. Uh, threw my dad down, put him in a, a full Nelson, pinned him to the ground while we called the, uh, called the police. And, um, you know, it was a very, very violent kind of, uh, moment, you know, and then the police cars come up and like some families in the seventies, we had all these mirrors around the house. So it looked like a disco with the lights from, uh, outside the window from the police car shining in. And, and I just remember the police coming and asking if I'm okay. And I remember my dad threatening my brother saying he's going to get him after, you know, this situation ended. And anyway, so we have this, this traumatic event. I go sleep over at a friend's house to, uh, to be safe. I don't know. I think my mom stayed home. I don't know if my dad went to jail, um, or not, but, um, Sean, we never talked about that day again. Really? And wow. that is just really, you know, that was one of the things I just felt, you know, I felt damaged. Um, I'm like, okay, now the neighbors know about it. You know, they know there's problems here and what do they think about us? And I always had this myth that they had it all figured out. My neighbors had, you know, in, in the life before, uh, social media, <laughs> we just had these, these, these myths of what other people's lives were like. And we just kind of dreamed mm -hmm. that they were all okay. And ours was, ours was tarnished and theirs was clean. Right. Um, yeah. I just had this myth that we were a little bit damaged and a little bit less than people, uh, other people, other, other friends, you know? Um, but I think it really hurt me not to be able to put words to that and to be able to talk through that. And what did that mean and what happened and what did it mean moving forward? Right. And this is in the seventies. The so, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of the tools that we have today in terms of talking about talking things through, you know, uh, mental well-being, you know, counseling, it was just, we just buried it and put it deep in our gut, you know, was how we handled it. So your brother, how much older was he than you that at that point? He was four years older. He was 14 at the time. And 14. And so he never talked about it again after, after that happened to you. We, we, we just, yeah, as a wow. family, it was just our, that was our mode of, uh, operation. Just kind of put your head down and, and keep yeah. going. So how did that affect him? I mean, if you don't mind me asking, if, if you can talk about my, it. my brother. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think very similar to me. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about it a number of times, but, uh, you know, he just, he and I had this burning desire to just create a life that was very different than that in which we grew up. And what a gift, Sean. I mean, I'm, if you think about it, I am such a minority, 
right? Mm. I've had this gift of faith from my mom and my grandmother that I know that there's a God that loves me, who made me special, who knows how many hairs there are in my head at all times. And that's always just been something I just chuckle at. Like, uh, I shed, I shed quite a bit. And, uh, you know, he, he has a plan for my life, uh, a hope and a future. He's got everything planned out. I've always known this loving God, even though I was in an abusive environment. Right. And I think I'm rare there. Um, Mm. my brother was a little different. He had a little bit different faith journey that he came to later in life, but I've always, I've just had this, this unique gift. So but we had this jet fuel just to create an environment exactly opposite that way in which we grew up is my, what my brother and I share. And I know you've got a ministry for, for, for single moms and, um, you know, my sisters, my older sister, and then my young, subsequently my younger sister, um, I think they just took it very differently. I think it wounded them in different ways than, uh, than it did my brother and I. You're talking about fatherhood. What so you said you had a time where you woke up when you were a dad and you were like, hey, I need to do better. Is that is that what you is that what happened for you as a pivotal moment? Well, no, the the pivotal moment. I start off the book with this, and I uh, I'll, I'll share the story. It's um uh well, first if you read it, read the endorsements. Uh, be a hero <laughs> in your home. I was like, who, who else? Uh, I don't want anybody else outside of my four walls to uh, uh, to write the endorsements. So my boys pretty much roast me in there. So, you know, guys aren't really good at giving guys compliments. So, uh, and my wife gave one there too, but I start off with the story of proposing to her. And this is back in 1995. Um, and I did a really bad proposal. You can read about that in the book. And despite that, I read, um, I read that. She said, are you ready? Yeah, are you ready for this? I read she that. said, are you ready for this? And, <laughs> and Sean at that moment, that was my, that was my moment right there. Yeah. Um, because I froze and I, unfortunately I wounded her a little bit there cause she thought I was doubting her and men, if you're proposing to a, a girl this holiday season or any time of the year, uh, not a good idea to freeze when she says, are you ready for this? Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very inopportune time. But, um, and that was the moment I realized I was like, man, I have this burning desire and this is the jet fuel I was talking about that my brother and I have, um, I want to be a good husband and father, but I don't know what that looks like. I, I have a deep, deep desire. I want to, I want to build a career and provide and take care of my family. I want to be able to manage my money well. My parents had both filed for bankruptcy multiple times, so we always had money stress. Um, you know, I didn't. My dad didn't have a friend group. I didn't know what you know. Building a good community of of men just to to love on you and to protect you and to guide you and to mentor you. And that goes back to that Lou Holtz quote. Um, you know, and I didn't know how to self-care. I was worried about, um, you know, is is substance abuse? I mean, it's in my family. Is that going to be a problem for me? And how can I how can I avoid that? So all of these things flashed through my mind during that day, that July twenty third, nineteen ninety five, when I proposed to her, and um, you know, that really got me focused on the journey. Of I knew then I wanted to be a good dad, but I had to figure it out, and I had to start uh, being very intentional about it. Hmm. That's so good. So what made you decide to write a book? I mean, I read my back on on your thing that you had a uh, coaching program. Did that, was that the book kind of driven out of the coaching program? Yeah. So what happened was, and this has all grown organically. I've been in part of men's groups and, um, I've, I've mentored a lot of men. I mean, some of it's very specific, like, you know, in our men's groups, we have, you know, we have, we have guys my age, we have guys older than me, we have guys younger than me. And there'd be some guys who are like, yeah, I'm, you know, 
looking for a job. I'm interviewing, right? And um, I've got a I've got a skill uh, to teach interviewing. You know, here's how you can really rock the interview. And so I started doing things like that. Just meet guys in coffee shops. Hey, you got an interview two days from now. Let's get ready for it, right? Let's uh, mm-hmm. walk you through it. Put together a plan. Have an approach to be confident. Walk in with a little swagger, you know, and just like, hey, I'm I'm a valuable asset. Right. Um, you know, not not, you know, humble, but uh, confident. Right. So uh, it all started with that. And then my nephew, um, he said, Jay, I'm kind of, you know, Uncle Jay, I'm struggling with some stuff. So we would go we'd go to a coffee shop and we'd meet once a month and we just talk about different things. Right. Relationships. I mean, I'd start pouring into him like I had, you know, learned myself. Um, and my boys were in their teens at this time or, you know, maybe even a little bit younger. And, but with my nephew, I started, you know, talking, he's like, Hey, I want to, I want to fix my finances. You know, what can I do here? You know what, you know, I'm not, I'm not a financial expert, but can help him run a 401k and be, you know, be safe, keep the guardrails of, uh, of making it good and effective and safe and easy. Um, he, he wanted to interview for jobs. Um, you know, he had some relationship troubles with, with, uh, his mom, my sister, and we just worked through a lot of those things. And then he said, Hey, you know, I got other friends that want to be a part of this. So organically over time, it just grew into a little bit of a tribe. And then the pandemic hit and I uh, said, Hey, we got to keep these guys together. And we started going online and meeting because, uh, people needed connection. Uh, people needed to be safe, you know, feel safe, um, in a tough environment. So that birthed a coaching program. And now primarily I look for cohorts, cohorts of men. Uh, to deliver a program to about how they can get off to a quick start in life. And um, the magic is getting 10, 10 guys is kind of a sweet spot, getting 10 guys together and and um, giving them permission to say, you know, I don't have it all figured out. Um, yeah. Because that's where we struggle as men, is admitting that, that we don't have all, all the answers, especially when we're young. I have a I have an easy time doing that now. I can tell everybody I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, I understand. No, I, I understand that. <laughs> Takes us a while to get there, but it's like, okay, yeah, I admit it. Yeah, I can't, I can't do this all my on my own. But um, yeah, this is great. And now you're obviously it's just by seeing some of the things you've done, you've written a book, you've you're very driven. And does that's birthed out of you already said a little bit earlier, kind of your fatherless story or even your relationship with your dad, seeing how he was. Now, tell us more about your drive. And cause so some people they process this situation where they become lazy and they just kind of become lethargic and they don't want to do anything. Yours was more of, I want to do better. And that's kind of the way I took the approach I had. I don't want to end up like my dad. So like, I don't, I don't drink alcohol because, um, my dad was an alcoholic and I thought if I touch alcohol, I don't want to become an abusive alcoholic like my, my dad was. And so I I had to drive there in that. I also didn't, I also wanted to, um, you know, just continue to, to be, I want to be a good man. I want to be a good husband, good, good father. So I had that that drive. Now tell us about your drive and tell us about what you, you did, you accomplished several things. And so tell us more about your drive and how, how you took this struggle and you, you achieve success through it. Yeah. And I, uh, again, I'll, I'll attribute it a lot to that Lou Holtz quote and, and, uh, Lou Holtz stole that from another motivational speaker, uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones. But, uh, you know, uh, I knew I needed to be intentional and, and surround myself with, with good advice and having that drive to create a life that's different is again completely the the jet fuel um you know i want to give back and the the flip side of that sean i think a lot of that comes from our faith is just the gratitude 
I mean, I have a life that's so much better than I could have ever, ever dreamed when I was a little boy, right? I got a loving wife. Mm -hmm. I have wonderful kids. We're connected. We're, we laugh. We, you know, I'm able to provide, um, able to pour into other people's life. My life and everything that I have, the, you know, is, is driven by gratitude. I mean, all the things that I love and adore and, and need and feed me, you can't go to Amazon. You can't go to Walmart. Yeah. You can't go, you know, my, my wife is a gift. Uh, my health is a gift. My kids, uh, you could joke that, uh, yeah, I was part of that creation, but I'm not, you know, I didn't, I didn't stitch my kids together in the womb of my wife. And, you know, I mean, you know, the relationships, the place I was born, the, the, the people I meet like you and Jackie, I mean, all of these are gifts that I don't deserve. So yeah. a lot of it is just a lot of the fuel is just also trying to give back and saying, you know what? I, I don't deserve any of this great stuff that I have. And I want to help others try to find their way somehow, um, you know, along whatever path, whatever journey they're on. Some of some people I meet are just really angry and uh, they, they had a really poor father experience. Um, some of them are pretty, pretty faithful and they've got loving dads, but they're at a different spot on their journey. So I just try to meet them where they're at and, um, and, and, you know, keep going in the right direction. Now tell us about the military. I can't I see the the logo behind you. And how did that help shape you? Because you're growing up fatherless, a lot of guys will enter into that and that helps turn them into a man. Did that do that same thing for you? Oh, absolutely. So there I was, I was 18 years old and, um, I was uh, going to be a first generation college graduate in my family, three weeks away from going to uh, school with a couple of high school buddies here in Colorado. I wasn't going to go to CU at the time. I was going to go to another engineering school, Colorado school of mines. And three weeks away, uh, I get the bill saying, hey, you know, you need to pay your uh, room and board. You know, you're going to start living here and in early August. You got to pay for it. And I had this I had this. Uh, we had this plan as a family. Uh, my, my grandfather was a uh, insurance salesman. So the, the plan when we were born in the 60s was buy whole life insurance policies and pay the premiums this is a terrible plan don't don't do this today but this was the plan and then when you go to college cash in the whole life insurance and uh pay for college and i didn't have the courage to have the conversation with my mom uh she i think she thought i was just going to get student loans and i had this even though i knew there wasn't money because we'd struggled with money so much sean as i mentioned i thought that these life insurance policies could be there but again i i was a knucklehead I didn't handle the situation right. And so three weeks before I was supposed to go to school, um, and when I, here I was, 18 years old, I talked to my mom. She's like, no, that money's gone. Um, you know, when we got divorced, we we cashed it in, split the proceeds. You know, that's all part of the, the, the divorce agreement. So there I was. And in uh, 48 hours, I decided to join the military. I thought my only path through was to get the GI Bill. So... Um, I, I thought if I worked and started working part time, I'd never make it through college. I'd meet a girl. I'd have to get a job, start providing, you know, figure out what my family was like. So I said, no, nope, I'm going to bite the bullet. No real pre preconceived notion of going to the military is the best thing that ever happened to me, Sean, because like you mentioned, it did provide a lot of structure, uh, give me a lot of confidence. Like, man, I can do stuff. I can do, I can do some hard things, you know? Um, so I was on a, a, a Lance missile, uh, crew, uh, nuclear warhead and non-nuclear. I lived in West Germany for 
two years, got great worldly experience. And then, um, you know, uh, came back and started college. So I was a very mature, you know, 20 year old college student having gone through that experience. And, um, it, it, it taught me discipline. It taught me organization. My wife would joke that it doesn't teach me time management. I'm always running a little bit late, but, uh, no, it's a great experience. It gave me a lot of confidence in life. The military gave me more than I could ever give back to the military and, and than I could ever give back to my country. How many years did you say you were in? Or did you? I was only in two years. So my, two yeah, years, I was, okay. my goal was to get, uh, you know, get to college as quickly as possible. Yeah. Uh, they gave me some options and, um, ironically learning how to shoot a nuclear warhead is one of the easier things to train. So, um, <laughs> Wow. Uh, it was very short, you know, you go into some programs like electronics that take you a year to get trained and then you have to stay in, you know, another four years or whatever after that. But, uh, only takes a couple of weeks to launch a nuclear warhead. Well, thank you for your service. That's, that's, Hey, this was in good hands, right? Mm-hmm. You're in, it was in good hands. <laughs> well, I was really angry about it. You know, here I was, uh, doing pushups in the dark at five thirty AM while my friends were at college, learning things that they wanted to learn, meeting, uh, meeting other people, meeting girls, having some yeah. beers, you know, they were having fun. And I was, uh, I did not think life was fair. I was, I was, uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, upset in the moment that, uh, that my journey had been detoured, detoured a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, at least it, it turned into good. So what happened then after that? You went to Colorado University then, right? You, you went, University of Colorado. What, what yep. I got a degree in got got a degree in physics and um and then I got into uh technology and uh, a little bit of software uh at a company called Storage Tech here in the in the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties. And then that but being in the military, did that help you decide I want to study physics or were you already going down that path? I had a step grandfather who was a physicist and he worked at a, a place here locally, Ball Aerospace, and he built satellites. And uh, I had great science teachers in high school that uh, just gave me a fire. Um, the, the, the problem was they made science fun, but uh, I just wasn't talented enough at it to figure out how to apply it to anything in this world. So, uh, yeah, I thought I'd be a science uh, engineer, you know, I was good at math. Um but just never found the fire there. So I've been in technology sales for the past 25 years. I got my MBA and, um, you know, going from there, um, you know, just uh, keeping my career on track with uh, And that's my day job. I still do that. And I mentor men and I run these programs uh, in my off time. Oh, that's great. That's so, so wonderful. I think it's just cool how you went from, you know, you had this issue with your dad and you didn't talk about it, you know, which is, really fascinating to me. And then you just like, I want to pursue success and you went after it. And now you, you've written a book and you, you've done all these, all these things and you're mentoring men and just talk to the the men out there that grew up without a dad. Would you just share some, some words of wisdom to them? Uh, whatever comes to your mind, just telling them that there's hope because there's, we, we come across a lot of guys that are just like, I don't, I don't really know how to be a man. I didn't have a man to teach me. So what are some, just some practical things you could share? Yeah, some practical things I would uh, I would I would pass along or a couple things. One, I mean, it, you know, find you know there's 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 earthly men that you will see, and and if I had a if I have a super um, if I have a, a skill a superpower, I think it's I can look around a room, Sean, and I can say, who do I want to be like? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I will go and I you know approach that person and say, you know what? You know, I saw that you were talking about this in business or that with your family. You know, can we go grab a cup of coffee? So my encouragement to men would be be intentional about finding 
men that you want to, uh, that you aspire to be like, and just have an open conversation. I think anybody is willing to help you out. I think that's the way we're wired as humans. Second, um, you know, your real father is, and this is, this is, <laughs> this is your, this is your ministry, Sean. God is my dad, right? You know, Heavenly Father is your father, and that is the the best example that you can see of 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 grace and truth mixed in to help guide you along a path, keep you safe, keep you happy, keep you joyful. Um, and then and then finally, yeah, just just get around, just get around a group of guys and be connected. And you know what what I tell, I was just down at the United States Air Force Academy. I did a program for uh, senior cadets there, and I was like, you know, find two or three friends that you can be authentic with and 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 say you know what i'm struggling in this area or you know like you and i both talked about you know being afraid of addiction and and um you know substance abuse and things like that find somebody that you can share that with and say you know what this is something that's really a deep fear of mine and you know support each other and figure out ways just to just to keep yourself safe and you know, have a good friend that can kind of grab you by the back of the collar if you're walking into uh, walking down a dark alley, you know, and and try to keep you safe. It doesn't always work. Sometimes people want to go down that dark alley, but uh, have a friend and a guide that's going to keep you uh, keep you on path. So, I you know, surround yourself with good friends. There's nothing more important than that, and um, make sure you're intentional about that. That's so good. Now, do you keep mentors for yourself now, even in at your age now, or? I do have mentors. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, reach out. Um, uh, I've got folks I meet with regularly, um, you know, weekly. There's there's folks I meet with um, you know, ad hoc. I used to think I'd have this Yoda uh, mentor, like, you know, the one end all be all. And what I found out is um, you know, it's a tapestry. It's a it's a it's a virtual, you know, I can get virtual advice. Somebody that's good at you know, like yourself, building a a ministry and a, you know, a nonprofit, right? Talk to guys like you, uh, get advice, you know, how you can do that. See somebody who's, you know, good at uh, maybe taking care of their physical body. You know, what are some of the tricks and techniques that they do? I'm playing a longevity game. I want to be an old grandfather because my my children didn't get to experience what, what a loving grandfather was like. They, my, my wife's father is very loving. That came out a little bit, but from from the dad's dad perspective, I want to make sure that that stays intact um, and that I can demonstrate, you know, and help continue to break the generational, um, you know, the gaps that we have. So uh, just get a, get a get a group of advisors around you. I don't think there's one Yoda. You, you might have one primary one, but, you know, a lot of guys can and gals can speak into your life. Well, that's so good, Jay. Well, thanks for being on with us today. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. But I just want to ask you, where can they find you? Find Where can they find your book at? Um, how can they connect with you further? Uh, the book's on Amazon. And uh, you can go to my uh, website, beaheroinyourhome.com. Um, that's the easiest way. Um, and you can uh, connect with me there. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jay. Thanks for being on with us today. We really appreciate it. All right. I appreciate you, Son. Best, best to you. Best to Jackie. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fodlessness. We want to now challenge you to take the next step by either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is, 
the one thing they're lacking is that community, just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation. Everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. If your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today.